Hello and welcome to Brits on Flix, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, deliberate and dissect a movie of our choosing. And this comes at a very good time, a little distraction from the outside world which is constantly falling apart. Um, it really is Dawn of the Dead out there. And before Romero's classic takes over, we are going to be discussing Midnight Cowboy. Now, Ryan, am I right in thinking this is both uh, a first-time watch for you and I? It is, yes, definitely. Probably a last-time so, watch as well for me. <laughs> Not to give the game well, away. You a little precursor. <laughs> wow. Um, so, I think you knew about this movie before checking it out. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I knew it was Best Picture, Oscar winner. Um. Mm. It was one that I'd always wanted to check out because I am a fan of Dustin Hoffman. You know, I, I do really like Dustin Hoffman. Uh, I, I, I've never particularly gravitated towards John Voight. I don't have anything in particular against him, but he's never been someone who's been a draw for me in particular. Uh, but certainly Dustin Hoffman, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's, you know, this was around the uh, same kind of time, same period that. You know, he did The Graduate and films like that, all his kind of mm. classic roles that he's known for. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's just been on my radar for a while, but beyond that... Yeah. It's it's one of those movies that appears on, like, greatest movies lists, and you're mm. like, yeah, I'm going to watch that at some point. Yeah. But that yeah. point never seemingly gets there. And mm. I think you know the quotable lines or, you know, I'm walking here line that you hear. Uh, quite often in the song is is rather predominant. You've you've probably heard that quite a few times. Oh, and yeah. um, me, personally, I'm a I'm a big fan of John Foyt. He he's the man that brought us Anaconda. Angelina Jolie. So, <laughs> 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 so you know, he's he's done some good things. And well, um, so who, who wants to get started here then with, with opening thoughts? You, you've alluded well, well, to your uh, opinion, so l- let me give the synopsis. Um, we'll, we'll give, oh, yeah. give the synopsis and then and then we'll uh, and then I'll I'll quite happily open up with it. Um, okay, so Texas Greenhorn Joe Buck arrives in New York City for the first time, preening himself as a real hustler. He finds that it is he who is the one getting hustled, until he teams up with down and out but resilient outcast Ratso Rizzo. The initial country-cousin-meets-city-cousin relationship deepens. In their effort to bilk a hostile world, rebuffing them at every turn, this unlikely pair progress from partners in shady business to comrades. Each has found his first real friend. But will it last, or is tragedy set to befall the Midnight Cowboy? (laughs) Oh, well done, Brian. (laughs) Okay, I was proud of that. So, one. so as you should be. Um, so you've alluded to your your feelings on this movie. So why don't you just give us a little rant on why? Okay, f- f- first of all, um, I will say it's not a bad movie. Okay, it's not. I, I, mm. I, you know, it's, it's not something that I look at and think is terribly made. It is well made. You know, it's well directed. It's well shot. Um, but man alive, if it's not depressing, like it just <laughs> like in in every single respect, like just the 
the visuals are depressing because we're in uh you know a city are we, is it manhattan i think that's, yes yeah i think it's manhattan um but it's like it's in that period when it was just i mean i don't know what manhattan's like today but certainly around this time it's it is always painted as a bit of a scuzzy place and certainly in this film it feels like a very scuzzy place going to Razzo rizzo's house uh, apartment whatever you call it it's kind of run down it's it's just yeah it, it's really oppressive all the way through and mm. there's a lot of kind of annoying characters i don't particularly like john voight's character in this uh i find him to be a bit annoying i find him to be a bit um i don't know just just really wet behind the ears like i i get it i get that's that's the thing you know he's this guy with you know big city ideas you know big dreams that he's gonna you know how he's gonna mm. make it and stuff and, and and he's just yeah he's barking up the wrong tree but i just feel like i i, I don't know i just find it really hard to warm to this guy i just want to give him a slap and say wake up stop being an idiot um mm. i i will say dustin hoffman is tremendous in it you know his his performance is really great. I think he brings a lot of depth to this guy who he was a really shady little dude, but uh, you sympathise with him because of the journey he goes on and ultimately the the tragic end that he meets. Um, but then you know that's it. He he meets his tragic end and then everybody's talking at me and it's just like oh okay that that's it and it's just it. Yeah, I just I came out of it just feeling, and 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 it took a long time for us to to. This is the other thing. It took a long time for us to get to that relationship. I feel I felt there was a lot of John Voight just walking around the city with everybody talking at me, playing like. When you have a theme song to a film, I feel like you should use it maybe at the start. And then on the end credits. But when you use it like five times within the first 20 minutes without any score, I'm like, did they even do a score for this film or are they just going to keep pumping this song on? Like every single musical cue, it seems, for the, for the first 20 minutes is just everybody talking at me. It's like, we've paid for this song, so we're damn well going to use it. And like literally by the time the fifth time rolls around, I am sick of this song. And it's a song that I actually quite like. Mm. Um, but, mm. yeah, it's just... I. If this was just some random-ass film that I put on one night, never heard of, didn't know anything about it, I, I might be a little bit more forgiving. But th this is the best picture Oscar winner. I, I think, was, it, was it 69, mm. I think? I think it was 69. Yes. Um this is literally according to you know most people certainly most people who worked in hollywood at the time this was the best film of the year and i'm just like i'm at a loss to kind of figure out how that's the case right well see i, th I find the problem with these like, classics that mm. you, you hear about that you sit down and watch they never quite live up to um, your aspirations or, or what you hope they're going to be um Almost immediately when watching Midnight Cowboy, I fell in love with this movie. I found it to be absolutely captivating from start to finish. I could not take my eyes away from it. 
I was just gobsmacked with the story. I, I felt it was wonderful in every way. The music cues constantly of everybody's talking about you was just wonderful. It's a song that's been stuck in my head for the past week and a bit since I watched it. I think it's it's a proper antithesis of the American dream. You know, where you normally see people setting out to achieve their dreams and it works. This doesn't work for Joe Buck. And, and I just felt it was a story all about these eternal dreamers who kept getting these hard knocks, who kept living these hard lives, but they kept hoping and trying for the best, even though it would never work out for them. I, I thought Joe Buck's naivety uh, was just great to see that kind of energy come into New York and just slowly get worn away by the people there. Um, and he doesn't allow himself to end up like Ratso, but and then Ratso kind of becoming a little bit softer by working with Joe Buck and coming round a little bit. I, I felt it was just a wonderful companion piece, a great story, something very different and something that just hooked me from the start. Um, I think one of my favourite scenes was the bus ride at the start when he's coming from Texas all the way up to, to New York. And normally this would be like, what, 30 seconds in any other movie, but it mm. takes its time to kind of show the transition from almost like the country where everybody's pleasant, you all talk to each other, they're all nice and slowly the patrons in the bus start to change and they get a little bit coarser, a little bit more introvert, a little bit more about themselves. Joe Buck's always the same throughout this. And when we get to New York, the people are just ignorant, you know, already. And it just shows you that that trans, the transport that he's had, um, has transported him from a nice place to some places a little bit harder. And he's still that bubbly, effervescent kind of character who really does believe that he's going to get A, lots of sex, and B, get paid for it. <laughs> you know, just, it's just, I, I thought it was absolutely wonderful, Brian. Wow, okay. Absolutely um, wonderful. Like I said, look, I, I didn't think it was a terrible film. I wouldn't even say it was a bad film. I, I you know, I, I, do have to state that I have already stated it, but I, it's just best picture, man. Best best picture of the year. So, I, I mean, this happens so often. I, I lose count, really, which is that you know the Oscars give best picture to the film that usually kind of, well, not usually, but often is is probably least deserving, but. I, I don't know. I, there were scenes in it that I got some amusement out of, like when he he thinks that he's got a client and actually... <laughs> yeah, they still was a client. Or, or... Yeah, well, actually, it's the other way around and she, she wants money from him, basically. She wants him to, to buy, yes. borrow yeah. her some money um, or, or give her some money. And it's just like... It was quite amusing, but I, I just, yeah, I. One of the scenes I really liked is when, when Ratso and um, Joe Buck get together and they decide to kind of steal a client from the escort agency. Mm. You know, they pickpocket the guy's pocket, they get the details and they go to the hotel and, and Ratso's kind of fixing them up and sends them in. And as he's in there getting set for it all, he's daydreaming of a better life on the beach you know this is going to be the turning point for him it shows you that he's the eternal dreamer just like Joe Buck he's starting to rub off a little bit on Ratso 
but it just blows it, completely blows it. I thought that was like an, an absolutely hilarious scene as well. Uh, just just wonderful. But I liked, I liked that constant idea of these two guys being a big important factor on each of their lives and starting to change each other a little bit. You know? Mm. <laughs> I, I loved the way it was shot as well. I just, I, I know it's one of those things that, this was a movie that I, I came to uh, a little bit worried because obviously you'd sent me a text message previously just going like, wow, this is a this is a tough one, and <laughs> I, I I was I was worried that I was going into something awful, but I, I literally cannot wait to watch it again. Wow. I think it it, it okay. deserved to win that Oscar. I mean, it's not it's nothing terrible at the King's Speech. It's you know it's, I, I like should, the King's it, Speech. I think the King's Speech is a better film, quite frankly. I'm more likely to watch that. I again. think the King's Speech is one of those ones that should never have won the Oscar. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't think me. it should have won Best Picture. Um, probably shouldn't have been nominated either but i still think it's a very good film um but but i can i can say that about so many films that were nominated and even won um but i, I yeah, yeah i just pff. like i say i think my expectations were just too high um and and just i didn't like this character that we were being asked to follow i thought he was just a bit too wet behind the ears a bit he was just a man child that's the thing because john yeah. john voight is not a small guy you know what i mean he's like when no. like there isn't a single character in this movie that is taller than him you know he's he's, he's he towers over everyone in this movie um mm-hmm. so to see him playing someone who's doesn't ever really seem to have grown up I don't know if I find it. It's a bit too much of a clash, I, I, which which is a silly thing because obviously there is going to be very immature people out there who who are also quite big. So that, you know, it's it's not like oh, if, if mm-hmm. you if you're big, then you have to be mature. But I don't know. It's just from the from the get go, I just I didn't warm to this guy. I I I felt he was a bit too wet behind the ears, a bit too. Um, What's the word? Just it was basically had a brain fart, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to him, and and then that music just kept on cutting in too many times, like it was the only music they had, and then by the time we got to Manhattan and we started meeting people who I didn't like just because they were, you know, like you say, you get to the city, they're all ignorant, they're all arrogant, they're all, you know up their own backsides and thinking about their own place in the world and stuff. And I'm just like, I can't be bothered with any of this, to be honest. I, I just, I'm, it's 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 really depressing. It's, it's like a depressing depiction of humanity. And, you know, I, I don't find much hope in the character of, um, th- th- that John Voight is playing because, hmm. you know, what what is there to root for, really? He's gone to to Manhattan to sell himself as a prostitute. Essentially, mm-hmm. like yeah, I, I, that, there's nothing heroic about that. There's nothing there to aspire to. There's nothing there that you know. This isn't a character that I would say, oh, I just I want him to succeed. Actually, no, I I I want him to fail. I don't, I don't want him to go <laughs> off and become a prostitute. I want him to realize that that's not the way to go, and actually go and get a proper job or a, you know a proper career or, or or do something valuable with your life. Um, so I can't root for you but, to but succeed. I think he does. 
it's only by, yeah, by movie, ac- yeah by accident and 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 it's not enti- I'm not entirely sure how much he he realizes he's done that by the end to be honest but I don't know. He's just—he's I mean, aimless. That's that's the that's the point. He's aimless. He's just one. He's coasting through life, and anything that he does yeah. that is of any value is an accident. Ah, uh, but but he he does learn throughout the movie that you know his choices have brought him there. It's not the life that he really does want. And ultimately, by the end of it, he's changed. He's he's constantly did a one eighty. He's he's learned through some hard hard knocks that. He was naive. He was silly. He w- he wasn't properly uh, gauging the situations. Uh, and I think at the end of this, he has fundamentally changed uh, as a person for the better. Uh, now, what do you think about the relation the relationship between Ratso uh, and Joe Buck? Um, I mean, I mean, why do these two guys connect? Well, I, I think it's just the fact that th- they're both fish out of water and um ratso really only gives himself over to to joe buck because he's been collared and he can't really get out of it because Mm. he's a little weaselly man who wouldn't be able to put up much of a fight and he's he's kind of it it almost it's almost like a forced friendship in a way from from ratso's perspective kind of thing he's he's kind of got no choice but to allow this man to ingratiate himself into his life because he's just screwed him over so the only way to undo that damage is is to allow buck to to tag along with him and because buck is just that amiable guy who literally will talk to anyone and try and strike up friendship with anyone then he, he will just latch onto mm. that and stay with that and that's what happens but because i mean they are polar opposites yeah. when you look at it because ratso mm. seems like a smart individual he seems like a kind of person that will do anything to survive and he kind of likes that naivety that joe buck has that the, the sense of good looks and the way people look at him you know that he gets constantly looked down upon Na- and naive like, that that was um, the that scum. was the word that i had a brain fart on was naive that was, that was what i was <laughs> trying to think of um but yeah it, it, they are somewhat polar opposite. Like if you put Rizzo's brain into Voight's body, mm-hmm. then they, you know, they they could probably achieve great things. And I think that that's kind of to 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 the large degree. things. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, but I think that's what the film is about. Really, is two two oddballs coming together who have different strengths, different weaknesses, and when they come together, they, you know, they their friendship gets them through but it doesn't it doesn't save them um in any you know in any i don't know maybe, maybe i'm just being too harsh i don't know but it just you know is, is there is there more than a friendship there is there more than a friendship just, yes you think that there's more like a as an edging towards a relationship of, of some sort you know, um, I I didn't sense that to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just a question. I mean, you see the the moment when um, they're at the party mm-hmm. and he's going to falls down the stairs. Oh, that just party! Kind of... Oh man, <laughs> I'd forgot. I'd erased that. Yeah, I hated that scene, man. Oh. I, I kind of like that scene. Oh, it's um, just like the excess and the, and the and the silliness of the artistic 
um, aspect of of Manhattan is they're all just you know excess for the sake of it doing I, I, silly things with the, the, the thing is, like, genuine need. I I, I get that you know the, the the film isn't supporting that stuff. It is highlighting the ridiculousness of it, but. Yeah. I'd say mocking almost. Well, yeah, but I, I, that doesn't mean I want to see it. Like, you know what I mean? I, d I don't want to spend time with these people. That's the thing. It's a bit, I, I don't know, I guess it reminds me a little bit of the film High Rise. I don't know if you've seen the, the Ben, Wheat, mm -hmm. ben yeah. Wheatley film yeah. High Rise. Like, that film, I felt, you know, after 20 minutes, I got the message. And then we mm. had another hour and 10, hour and 20 minutes of just people doing bad stuff, you know, show, showing us this. Horrible people doing horrible yeah, things. Yeah, horrible people doing horrible things for an hour and a half, and it's like, yeah, I get it. 10, 15 minutes of it, I got it. That's the message. That's, you know, society sucks. The hierarchy of the class system sucks. Um, but I, I don't need to be hammered over the head with that for an hour and a half. And, and to, you know, to a lesser degree, but... Still, to some degree, I feel like this film is, is kind of the same. It's look, hey, look, city life will chew you up and spit you out. So we're going to show you that for an hour and a half. And then we're going to kill off the guy and without kind of, you know, they they don't go off into the sunset. You know, they just, it looks like they're going to, and then one of them just dies. It's like, oh, okay, that's it. I, you know, and... Oh. There is something poignant there, I guess, about you know someone dying, having found at, at least found a friend, but it's still it's still very bittersweet, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I look at it more as um, Joe Buck's story, and at the end, he's he's fundamentally changed uh, as a character, which he needed to mm -hmm. to survive, and he's created a say, a harder out, outer shell and, and a more um, better idea of how the world works, really, but. I mean, I like the, like I said, I like at the start of the movie when we get the bus scene, and I really like the end of the movie when you have like a, a different kind of bus ride, because um, that that I, I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't realise that Dustin Hoffman's character was going to die at the end. That was a little bit of a shock for me. What did you think of that? Yeah, I I I didn't realise it. I didn't realise he was going to die. Um, that's you know, bizarrely, uh, kind of. One of them moments that I feel, given given the classic status of the film, uh, I, 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 you know, I would have assumed would have been ruined at this point. You know, I, I, I assume that just simply would have been a moment I would just know, even you know, not having mm. seen the film. Like you don't, I'm pretty sure anyone who hasn't seen The Sixth Sense still knows how that film ends. Because the you know because it's yeah. because it's become such a uh, you know like I, I, iconic moment of cinema that it, it just you know it's been aped it's been it's been talked about and, oh, yeah. and this that and it's the other so, yeah. yeah so you don't have to see the film to know how the sixth sense ends um, and and I just feel like given what happens at the end of this one yeah it surprised me mm. to to get to that moment and 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 be surprised by it because. It's like, yeah. blimey, why, why didn't I know? I know what you're this? saying about, um, yeah, John Voight, like, you know, Dustin Hoffman gives a great performance, but I think that moment at the end where Voight realises that he's, he's lost his companion, his friend, is utterly breathtaking. Um, a great performance there. You know, these two guys were, were both nominated for, for Best Actor that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, 
it's one of those great things. You, you, you get one movie, you get two uh, differing opinions about it. Uh, you know, I suppose it's just down to why why we love movies as much as what we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to wrap up? Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no. Um, I don't want people to think that I hated this movie. Um, it, it's just that whole thing about expectation meeting the reality of it. You know, like it, it, it's it's such a you know, I think it's in the, the IMDb Top 250. It was on the American Film Institute's 100 Greatest Movies of All Time. Um, mm. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it'd be unfair to say that it, it's, a little, it's a little overrated. You know, it's, it's to, to have that kind of expectation on it and to come to it and think, oh, right, okay. It was good. It was well made. It's not flawless. Um... I got no real urge to go back and watch it. Um, three out of five. Right. I would say it's it's perfectly rated. I can't wait to go back and watch it. I loved every second of it. It was one hundred percent wonderful. I, I just I love discovering a movie and going. That's a that's a new favourite. Everything about that was just perfect. It easily five out of five. Oh my goodness! It's just—I know I'm in the minority. This is the thing. I know that most people listening to this podcast now, all five of them, will be thinking. Excuse me, Brian. There's six. Oh, is it six now? We've got a six. Okay. Yeah, my grand's got it. Oh, right. Okay. Well, if you're one of those six, um, don't worry. I can feel you screaming at me, um, uh, saying that I don't know what I'm talking about. That may well be the case. Would you say that everybody's talking about you? I'd say that right now, all six people are talking about me. Yeah, um, but no, it just it's it it is what it is. Um, sometimes not everybody's on the same page, and I, I I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that if I watch this again someday and I'm in a different mood, maybe I'll get more out of it. Maybe I'll come to it on much better terms. Um, it has happened before, but, yeah, in, in this this case, I'm, I'm just... I've no urge to go back, so... It's all personal opinions, Brian. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what makes you you. That's why we love you. <laughs> so, um, let's move on to our top five of this episode, which is um, a read ridiculously tough one mm. and that was the top five Dustin Hoffman performances, movies, whatever we want Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know about you this this is one of the toughest ones I've had in a while yeah, I, well, I came to it thinking I'm going to do performances um, mm. and then I saw a film on, on his CV where I'm like oh Crap, that's like one of my favourite films of all time, but there's no way it would make top five performances for Dustin Hoffman. Um, but I, but I can't mm. let it slide. So, so yeah, so I, I, I've gone with films in the end. So not necessarily not right. performances, but films. These are the top five Dustin Hoffman films for me that that I that I watch most, I guess, that I like most. So. Um, I think he's he's definitely been right. in films where he's done better performances. Um, 
You know, the one we've just talked about, Midnight Cowboy being one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do think that is better than many of the performances in my top five. But I just, yeah, didn't warm to the film that much. So it's not going to make my top five. So I've gone with top five films. Right. Uh, I've kind of went with top five um, kind of films, characters that he did that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll jump in, Brian. I'll, I'll go. Okay. Uh, with number five, if you don't mind. Uh, my number five is Little Big Man, where he played Jack Crab. Um, I, I this is one of these ones I discovered back in the nineties, and I just fell in love with the movie. And it's basically, have you seen this one? I think I did see it when I was a when I was a kid, but because I was so young, I've just got no recollection of it. So basically, he he was captured and raised by Indians. He became a gunslinger. He married an Indian. Uh, he was in the Battle of Custer, uh, or, or fighting against Custer. Uh, and Little Bighorn, and it's just ridiculously fun to see Hoffman going through all these various different guises, you know, from the old man telling his story to how he got there. Um, it's just just a fun, fun film. Okay. All right. Um, well, I am a bit of a sucker for for a good chick flick. Um, you know, they, they can be a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. Uh, and one of my favourites is a film called Last Chance Harvey, which is my number five choice. Uh, again, like I say, it's, it's I, I do actually think he gives a very good performance in it, but it's more, it's more of an ageing performance. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's the back end of his career, um, and he's in there with Emma Thompson, who's a really great actress, um, who, you know, she's... The, the, it's impossible for Thompson to, to to give a bad performance as well. So I just I love the on on screen chemistry between the two of them. I think it's a really well told um, romantic story of of two people at an age where we don't often get this kind of movie. You know, uh, rom coms that kind of thing tends to be for the younger kind of people, um, and when they do tend to do them with older people. We ended up we end up with things like it's complicated and something's got to give and you know films that uh, aren't yeah. particularly great. Whereas yeah. this, I feel like this is is uh, it's it's played it's it's just it's low key. It's really low key. It's not it's, mm -hmm. it doesn't get farcical. It doesn't get you know like your typical Hollywood rom com. It's just it ke keeps it low level, understated, just quite character driven uh two people both with reasonably damaged pasts but not like proper tragic who just come together and find each other and i i, I yeah i like it um it's good mm -hmm. uh, my number four and it's one that i've not seen in the longest while but i, I remember it making a real impact on me uh, and i watched that a lot when i was younger and that is tootsie where hoffman plays michael dorsey who ends up becoming dorothy uh, struggling actor, trying to make ends meet, can't get a job anywhere, uh, makes up this persona uh, as woman, Dorothy, and suddenly becomes a hit on a daytime soap. And he's kind of stuck between being this character or his real self. Um, it's, it's Mrs. Doubtfire before Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. kind of. Um, and it's just, it's incredibly funny. It's layered. Hoffman gives wonderful performances in this movie. Uh, I just love it. Okay, uh, my number four is The Graduate. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Simon and Garfunkel, uh, so the, the soundtrack for it is absolutely fantastic. 
um, and unlike Midnight Cowboy, they don't just stick with one song. They do a whole host of songs for it. Um, so, you know, they keep that flavour, but they have, a, a, you know, different different pieces for the moods. Um, but, yeah, great performance from Hoffman. Um, and is it, is it Anne, Anne Bancroft, I think? I've, I've never seen it, Brian. Oh, have you not? Uh, okay. Well, I, I nope. think I think it's Anne Bancroft. Uh, I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, just you know, Mrs. Robinson. The it's it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's a really good film. Then uh, I I I won't say much more about it. But you know, it's again, it's one of those films that if you even if you've not seen it, you probably know quite a lot about it. Um, that does have a, a a famous ending scene that has been kind of had had a few. Uh, Mickey takes out of it and you know has been sent up quite a lot in various comedies and stuff. Yeah. So um so yeah, it's 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 good. It's a coming of age drama. It's about someone who is really kind of aimless in life, doesn't quite know where he's going, what he wants to do, and uh thinks he may have found love, but then he's not too sure and then and then towards the end he is. Um, you know, and he kind of works out what's most important to him so yeah you know coming of age drama it's 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 nothing we haven't seen a hundred times before but i would imagine you know if you watched it at the time it came out it would have been a heck of a lot more original because obviously a lot of films have aped it since my number three and you know i'm still playing my list even now <laughs> uh, i'm going to i'm going to go with uh, rain man okay um which I believe he won the Oscar for. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's one of those uh, movies that, that is almost forgotten about. Sometimes, you know, you get, you know, Tom Cruise gave a great performance. Raymond Babbitt and Rain Man is one of those characters, again, and we keep saying this, it was one of those things that was constantly referenced or mocked or still related to today. It's a, a movie about two brothers kind of reconnecting on a road trip. Um, they didn't even realise each other was kind of there. It's them bonding, and I think um, Cruz is often forgotten in this movie. He's just as good uh, mm-hmm. as, as Hoffman, but Hoffman gives a wonderful performance. Is this? Uh, well, I don't know. I'm sure you're going to mention more about Rain Man. Well, it's it's we'll it's it's here. my number three as well. So uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's 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 one I've not seen for quite some time, but I do remember when I was a kid. Watch. I think I would have been about nine. I think eight or nine when we first saw mm-hmm. it on either TV or video. Um, I just I just remember it really affecting me at the time, um, mm. and I didn't really know it. It's, it's autism, isn't it? So it's is very yes. yeah. very high on the artistic spectrum. Obviously, there's you know there's definitely mm. you know I, as someone who's got a daughter with autism, she you know she's someone who would blend in a lot more. She wouldn't kind of stick out like a sore thumb the way that um, Raymond does in this film, you know. So, yeah, autism obviously has a very wide spectrum and he's he's a, a very far end of it. Um, so mm. it is, yeah, it is autism in its most extreme case. Um, and I think when it came out, Autism was still kind of one of those things that people didn't really talk about that much. We didn't really understand it. We had a vague awareness that it was there, but we just didn't really talk about it. And it was this film that kind of really put it on the map. 
as something that, hey, look, this exists, people have it, time to wake up to it, time to learn how to, um, you know, how to allow people like this to exist within society and function within society. Um, mm. and, and, and so it's, it's actually Cruz's character who is our way in there because, you know, he's, he's essentially yeah. our eyes and ears. We are the person who is, for lack of a better term, fully functioning, uh, you know, um, and, uh, you know, trying, mm. to, trying to go about his business, trying to do what he wants to do. And slowly but surely the walls kind of get broken down and he realizes that actually this isn't just somebody with a condition this is this is a person this is a human being who's with thoughts and feelings mm. but who expresses them in completely different ways his mind works differently um and yeah. he grows to love him and care for him and want to have him in his life um and it's just yeah it's really affecting and even at a young age it had quite an impact and it does just talking about it now does make me want to go back and revisit and it did win best yeah. picture at the oscars as well mm. I, I must have been about the same age as, as, as you when we saw it. and, and mm. seeing those scenes where you know he, he feels like he's done something wrong and starts to like hit his head a little bit and, mm. and start mumbling and rambling on and on i mean that's that is really quite shocking when you mm. see things like that especially at that age yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a movie at that age that it's not distancing distancing you can you can get into it at mm. that age you can understand the story and it kind of alludes you to to that you know, people that may need a little bit more uh, TLC, a wee bit more care when, when dealing with them. Mm. I think that's a, that's a great thing that's very, very rarely captured. You know, you, most of these things are, are treated kind of cold or towards adults. You very rarely have a movie where you can watch it at eight at night, nine, and understand what was going on. And, and, and as you learn from the movie or you see in the movie, there's also like great fun sequences in it as well, like when they go to the casino. You know when they're counting the cards, and yeah, yeah. you know Tom Cruise is, is using his brother. <laughs> you know, showing another aspect that he, he, he can take advantage of this situation. Mm. He's not quite connected to that, and that's one of those scenes that was uh, copied and mimicked. Here. It was even done in The Hangover. You know, mm. it was a movie that came twenty odd yeah. years after the fact. Yeah, yeah. great film. Uh, my number two. Again, another movie that I discovered in the nineties. You know, when, when Sky Movies came out, and you're just watching <laughs> everything that you could. Um, it's it's Louis Dega from Papillon. I I just love Papillon. I thought it was a fantastic movie, and the, this is one of the things that I think Hoffman does really well. See, when he's paired with a really good actor, you know, he can he can do these really amazing performances. He can be subtle. He knows when to step back. He knows when to go into the the limelight with that. Uh, Louis Dega is a rich character. Be, you know, being sent to this prison island where he's going to have to work it off. Everybody wants him because they think that he's got money eh, or, or jewels inside his belly. He keeps eating it and, and they want to cut him open. Steve McQueen helps him out. And these two form a bond that spans decades as they're trapped on this island. Um, you know, it's a movie that I've only saw a couple of times, but it, it's ingrained in me. It's one that stuck with me long after because of the two lead performances. Hmm. It's another one that I've not seen, but um, it does does sound quite intriguing. Must be said. Um, I, do, I do hope Midnight Cowboy is not going to be your number one. <laughs> oh, dude. Relax, Brian. Relax. Oh, okay, my number two is Kramer versus Kramer. Another Best Picture Oscar winner. Um, you know, just not seen it. 
wow okay uh i this is one that okay kramer versus kramer has kind of become one of those films that uh a lot of people say probably maybe shouldn't have got the best picture oscar but actually i think it is kind of deserving especially when you put it in the context of the time it was made you know this is a mm. time when to, to even talk about divorce was still still a bit of a taboo subject you know um and they just they go full on with it you know they don't hold back they they really show you what it's like um and it's you know it's a, it's a sorry state of affairs that you know the story that is portrayed in this film kind of became more of the norm rather than the exception so to speak um mm. but yeah you know, like more recently if you look at like marriage story the uh, noah bombach film um that, that yeah it's kramer versus kramer retold for the modern generation but i think kramer versus kramer is just as hard hitting um and i i, I, I see you've not seen it and i don't want to i don't want to give there's a certain there's a certain thing that happens towards the end but let's just say it makes you feel a particular way about certain characters and then by the end of that by the end of the film it turns that completely on its head and you go ah crap okay i get it now now i can sympathize with with both sides here and and it, and, it, and it's just like yeah um Meryl Streep is absolutely fantastic in it. She's, you know, she's supporting actress in it. She's, you know, she's she's not in mm. it for for much of the running time, but t towards the end of the film, that's that's when she does most of work, and she and she is absolutely stellar in it. Uh, but but Hoffman as well, just as this guy who, you know, has been a career man most of his life, and now he's he's just dumped with this kid. Uh, it's his. It's his kid. He's, you know, he's, he's not. It's not like a dump with a strange kid. But it's just suddenly he's got to learn how to be a father, um, you yeah. know, and not, and not just someone who goes out to work to bring home the finances. So yeah, it's it's it is it is a really good solid drama with great performances. That again, as I say, if you take within the context of the time in which it was made, was. Was was something that hadn't really been seen before on film. Mm. Okay, my number one is as you so eloquently put, it's Ratso Rizzle from Midnight Cowboy, and uh, I, I think <laughs> I think it's a wonderful performance, Brian. I really the movie really affected me. I thought it was a a, a wonderfully uh, weird character who kind of knows that his time is, is short, makes a connection. And, that's something that you're just happy with at the end. Um, but yeah, we've already talked about it. I won't rattle on. I will say, though, that um, Hoffman is one of these actors who most times, most of the time out of his filmography, the last movie you watched could very well be one of his best performances. He's not somebody who's limited. He, he, there's a good ten movies that I could have put on my list where mm. he has just done knockout performances. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not one of those this is the list yeah. this could change in six months quite yeah, easily yeah, definitely he's 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 just one of those actors he is up there with you know mm. De Niro and Pacino and yeah the greats you know um, yeah tr tr truly great actor. And number one um, so my number one um, as I said before this is 
definitely not Hoffman's best performance, not by a long shot. Uh, it is a good performance. He's, he's he's perfectly fine in the film, but it is only supporting role. It's just that any opportunity... Oh, <laughs> no, any opportunity I get just to mention this film, just in case anybody hasn't seen it, I, and I urge them to go and check it out because it is one of my favourite movies, and that is Stranger Than Fiction. Um, I just think it's beautifully written. It's brilliantly directed by the the really underrated Mark Foster, who is a really great director when he's on his A game. He's made he's made some of my favourite movies, um, but. Yeah, this 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 is my favourite, um, and it's it's got Will Ferrell in a semi-serious role, so you know it's 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 not it's not totally lacking in comedy, but it is definitely more of a serious kind of role, um, and I think he excels in it. Uh, it's got Maggie Maggie Gyllenhaal in it. Is I, I it's one of the first things I kind of saw her in and and kind of fell in love with her. Um, she's lost a bit of a sheen since then. I think uh, I I don't. Yeah, I still think she's a great actress, but I, I don't seek things out with her in. If they happen to be on, then I will watch them. But when I when I saw her in this, I was like, "Wow, she's incredible!" I I I gotta find out other stuff she's done, and then I realised, oh, she was in Donnie Darko. I've seen Donnie Darko. I don't remember that, but um, but yeah, she um, but Hoffman, as I say, plays plays a supporting role. It's not you know, it's not something that will blow you away, but I just think the film overall is a really great movie that doesn't get talked about enough it's one of my favorites and i put it at number one because if it even gets one person out there to go and find it and watch it then job done yeah you, you've mentioned that one before a couple of times in the podcast Brian. yeah um, and i still haven't seen it as yet <laughs> <sighs> sorry i will get to it at some point Okay, so we're going to move on to next episode. And if this is your first time here, I'm going to give Brian five synopsis. He's going to delete them one at a time, and whichever one he is left with will be the movie that we will review next time. Brian, are you ready? Go. A foreigner slowly begins to take over the people in a small town in America, converting them to its whims. Con- con- converting them to its whims. Uh, I don't want to put a, a, a gender on it. Put a gender on it, you, you nail it straight away. Um, is it I, it I, by I, any I, chance? Uh, no. Okay. No, it's not. Okay. Um, I just I kind of realised that I hadn't put the finishing bit on there. I was right. doing it on the fly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's my fault. Um, number two. A group of people fight prejudices, misconceptions, and infighting to uncover the truth about a murder. Number three, a sexually repressed woman's husband is having an affair with her sister. The arrival of a visitor with a rather unusual fetish changes everything. Number four. (laughs) Get rid of three. Get rid of three. (laughs) Let me go. Number four. Okay. A car bomb explodes in the American side of the US-Mexico border. Mexican drug enforcement agent begins his investigation along with an American police captain. And number five, a group of survivors huddle together in close quarters and slowly come to realise that one of them is the cause for their predicament. Okay, Brian, what would you like to get rid of? Oh, man alive. Good grief. 
head spinning trying to keep all those in. Um, get rid of number three because that just sounds too kinky for my liking. <laughs> cool. You have got rid of Steven Soderbergh's Sex Lies and Videotape. Oh, good. I've, I've saw that a long time ago. I've, I, it's a good film. I've just, but I've, I've got no real urge to to go back to it at this point, to be honest. Um, okay. Uh... Out of what is left, the four that's left, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've maybe seen them all at some point. Hmm. Read, read one and two to me again. Okay, one that I, I only wrote half a sentence for. A yeah. foreigner slowly begins to take over the people in small town in America, converting them to its whims. And number two? A group of people fight prejudices, misconceptions and infighting to uncover the truth about a murder. Get rid of one. You have got rid of the remake of The Blob. <laughs> okay. Um, right, give me three and... F uh, four and five. Again. Okay. A car bomb explodes on the American side of the US-Mexico border. A Mexican drug enforcement agent begins his investigation along with an American police captain. And number five, a group of survivors huddled together in close quarters and slowly come to realise that one of them is the cause for their predicament. See, that one sounds so familiar. So it's like devil or something like that. Um, which I did see in Poundland just the other day for £2. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, get... Get rid of four. Okay. You've got rid of one that I was kind of hoping you are going to choose. I've not seen this before. It is Touch of Evil. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've not seen that one either. Um, yeah, but I get you with the, with the bomb explosion. Yeah, I have seen that opening scene. But um, Okay, so... Uh, I, I would just put it this way. You've, you've seen both of these. I feel like number five is something that's got a supernatural element and I feel like number two is kind of more a straight-laced hunt for a serial killer type movie. Um, but the question is what I'm in the mood for. Uh, I, I, you know what? Well, well, before you make your decision, let me just tell you <laughs> that you're wrong. <laughs> okay. Counts, okay, okay. Um, oh, man. Oh, this is tricky, 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 tricky. Um, do, do you have a preference? I'd say one, one of these movies is, is one of my top 10 favourite movies of all time. So, yes, I do have a preference. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, I think you probably enjoy both of these movies. Um, read read five again. Read five. Okay. A group of survivors huddle together in close quarters and slowly come to realise that one of them is the cause for their predicament. That's not usual suspects. That's too... Uh... Oh, man. 
Uh, what are you leaning to? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning towards number five, but whenever I've done that in the past, I've regretted it. And I think the, <laughs> the lesson there is don't go with your instincts. So get rid of five, we'll go with two. Okay. You have got rid of Lifeboat by Alfred Hitchcock. Ugh. Okay. And you have chosen the outstanding, the wonderful, oh, I cannot wait to talk about this movie, 12 Angry Men. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I could talk about that right now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, like, it's, it's, it's one that I watch yearly, at least. Um, and to be honest, I'm quite looking forward to watching that again. Mm. Um, and the top five... It's going to be a widespread one, Brian. I'm going to go for top five courtroom movies. Courtroom dramas, okay. Oh, well, courtroom mm. movies, so not necessarily drama. Well, could I, be a comedy. I, I have dramas. But liar, liar. As long as, it's set, <laughs> as long as it's set predominantly within a courtroom, I think. Okay, all right. You know, things like um, A Few Good Men would be fine, because yeah, that's, yeah. you know, the final clubs. Yeah. yeah. And it's all, it's, any, a, well, yeah, it's all built around a court case. Yeah, top five John Grisham movies. Or dealing with lawyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there we have it. So next episode, as always, everybody out there, we're, we're, our thoughts are with you in this uh, trying time that we're going through. But let's let's forget about the outside world. We'll probably all be on lockdown. Let's watch a cracker of a movie and we'll come back and talk about it next month. Thanks for listening. Not saying your bye. 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 <laughs> that made you happy. <laughs> well, I know you've been doing it in a couple of episodes. <laughs> yeah. I zoned out a bit. That's, that's what it was. <laughs>